Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good evening and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers Transfer Agenda Show. I'm your host, Keith Plunka, and tonight I'm joined, as usual these days, by Kev O'Sullivan. Kev, how are you? I'm really good, mate. How are you keeping? Ah, grand. Since Laura, you were you're, last on last you're week. delighted with your success from yesterday. I am, I am. Um, we had a, a show last night where we had the draft teams of Liverpool League Cup winning. So many player that played in the League Cup final for Liverpool and... Conroy was on with us as well and, and he got screwed because I deviously put El Hadj Juf in my team and then traded him to Conroy when he couldn't give him back. I went to a Twitter of oh, Conroy lost. So <laughs> it is what it is. There's loads of Schadenfreude and underhand stuff that goes on here, but you know, we make no apologies for it. We make no, no I got some good eager biscans, so yeah. what are you gonna do? There you go, there you go. I'm also joined tonight. We're going to uh, look at some other clubs, be, um, dealings and business, and two of the more interesting and maybe busy, but maybe not as busy as we may have expected, clubs that are involved. We've got Matt Hayes from the Tottenham blog. Matt, how are you? All good, Keith. Uh, pleasure to be on. And I'm sure there's some people who won't feel the same about me being here, but look, all is a no, good time on the show. No, not at all. Matt's a friend of the show. He's been on plenty Absolutely. of times before and he's always welcome on these shores. And um, we'll say no more about it. And we're also joined by Kendall Round. Kendall, how are you? Your second time on with us in so many weeks. Yeah, is I'm loving it. Thank you for having me again. But yeah, I'm good. Just very stressed with the air transfer window at the moment, to be honest. I thought it might have been a bit more enjoyable than this. Like, you know, a bit splashing the cash. Yeah. Like, we, like it's normally nice if you have money. But yeah, it's bringing us uh, more problems than I expected, to be honest. That's it. Yeah, these are the stresses, you know what I mean? You, <laughs> you get all this money and it's like, right, we're going to buy this, 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 this. Now you've got Chris Wood. It's going to take a bit more than that, I think. But look. <laughs> We'll see what we'll see what you can do. Um, we're going to go through what we're going to do. We're going to have a look at, as I said, the the some of the teams that are busy, some of the teams that are maybe not as busy as they said they were going to be, and some deals that are going through, and uh, others that are probably taking their time. So, what we're going to do? We're going to start in North London, um, not with Juma. For we'll give you a, we'll give you a minute. Well, we could start with you. But we're not going to start with Tottenham. We're going to start with Arsenal because. The thing with Arsenal and Spurs, actually, we can group them both together, is that there's sort of two two teams where the managers came out openly and said, we want to do business. We have to do business. We need this, that and the other. And Arsenal, I think, were looking for midfield players, looking for midfield reinforcements, and we're looking for attacking reinforcements. Now, they haven't they haven't done anything, I don't think, up till now. Um, Spurs, very similar. There's a few murmurs of, of what Spurs will do, but we'll come to those in a minute. But Matt, how do you think it's going for Arsenal? What do you think is happening to our bitter, bitterest rivals? It's it's a really strange case, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of finding it difficult to really gauge exactly where they are and exactly where they're going because 
they, they're they're higher up on the table at this point than, than I expected them to be. Um, but there's no doubt they they do need to strengthen that squad. You know, everything going on with the Bamiang, they need someone in there. They need a midfielder. They need um, something really to, to shore up the middle of the park, if not two players in there. And it's it's been weird that I've kind of involuntarily been kept up a lot with their with their transfer window because there's so many players that were actually both linked to it. Like even go back to the summer with Tommy Yazzie with Emerson Royale uh, and now you've got Arthur Melo, Bruno Gimaresh, even Duzan Blahovic, who realistically neither of us were ever going to get a sniff for. Um, but it's it's really interesting though how that is panning out but to be perfectly honest I think it's been a dreadful, dreadful month for Arsenal and I, I know it's it's a sensible way to go into things that they're they're not going to buy players unless it it straight out improves their squad. And I think Tottenham have gone in with a similar mindset. Um, but Arsenal at the moment with five days left don't really seem as though anything is going to be done. I know there's more uh, murmurs with Arthur Mello today, but um, I'm very, very satisfied with, with how their window has gone. And I don't see them posing much of a threat um, for, for the rest of the season. And that will come back and bite me. Yeah, well, look, we'll see. We'll we'll clip that up and, and see what happens. But um, yeah, Kendall, Arsenal, what do you make of, of what they're doing down there in North London? Arthur Mello does seem to be the, the one that's got the most traction, but they're running out of time to get that one done and it's a fairly big, big deal to get across the line. Can you see Arsenal doing that? And do you think if they, they don't do anything, have they got enough to sustain a top four challenge? Um, it's a strange one because like Matt says um, they seem to be in the market for a few and then nothing is really happening going forward so obviously Vlavic was the big one and that uh, Arsenal fans basically had him mocked up in this strip and had, the, had them as, he, as his background and things but that hasn't happened obviously Juventus seem to be getting that deal over the line so um, yeah it's a strange one you would think that they would now be desperate because obviously uh, I'm assuming Aubameyang if he doesn't leave this window um, because as he said, there's not much time left. I'm assuming if um, he doesn't leave this window, he'll be absolutely categorically gone in the summer. He hasn't gone uh, on the trip to Dubai with him. He's been left out of that as well. So I think his time is only coming to an end. Um, he's on borrowed time with them at the moment. So you would think that they will be desperate to get deals done. But I don't really know what their strategy is going forward because they clearly are missing out on their targets. Another one, as we've just said, that we're in for now um, in Bruno Gamara. So... Yeah, um, it's a strange one. I, I just don't think they're going to get anything done now. It's just way too late to get any sort of armoury in of a level that would influence them like Aubameyang has in the past. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to get anything done in the next, what, six days now. I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kev, um, Arsenal, that is a, a, waff, a whiff of desperation of what they're trying to do there. Now, you know, as Chris says on the screen, that Arsenal's transfer strategy is to publicly go for a name to show ambition and then settle for a lower target. I don't even know if they'll get the lower target, but I'm, no. I'm pretty sure they'll probably get a midfield player in at least before the window. But, you know, they're putting all the eggs in the Arthur basket and it may not be that that quality of player that they get. Can you see them doing that? Or is it just all more chest puffed out and shouting about ambition and doing this? Are, are they in trouble, basically, it, not only midfield, but with, the Aubameyang situation, as Kendall has touched yeah. on, the Aubameyang and the other Lacazette, that they're not exactly settled up front either. No, the the Aubameyang problem is a three hundred and fifty grand a week problem that is they're going to struggle to move him. And yeah, you'll find a few clubs who will pay his wages, but will they be the ones he wants to play for? Is he going to do an Ozil? That's their biggest problem. Arsenal have out, have gone and spent 150 million in the summer, and I think all in all, 
they, their summer window was pretty okay. Um, they have a very young side. No Europe should help them this this season. It really should. You know, getting to a League Cup semi-final and doing it on the back or with a bunch of kids, really, shows the promise that they have there. But <clears throat> the problem I think they're going to have is if they want to see themselves as challenging to get into the top four, they need someone like Isaac or someone of that caliber to come in and lead the line up front. Now, will someone like that sign for a club on the strength of we might get into the Champions League in a January window? No, they're not. Arthur, apparently the talk is Arsenal won a six-month deal and I think Juventus wants 18 months with all of his wages being paid by Arsenal. And that's not somewhere Arsenal are willing to go or willing to commit to, especially with the other wage problems that they have at the club. So, with five days to go, I don't think they get anything done. I, yeah. I think they're, they're, they've ran the clock so tight on their one target that they that they wanted, that they were aspiring to, that they've taken their eye off. Because Arthur was mentioned a few weeks ago. You know, they've taken their eye off the ball on that one. And um, that should have been done, wrapped up. And a lot of clubs are running against the clock now especially with players we'll talk about later on who are in South America who have to have medicals. It's You're battling against the clock. And when you're battling against the clock as a club who needs to buy, you're paying a financial penalty for every day that you do that because you don't have any pull in this. You know, because I always look at January as there's four categories for me of a January transfer window. You've got the desperate club who are in trouble. You've got the injury crisis. You've got the manager change. Or you've got the bad transfer policies. And luckily, touch wood, this time last year, we were in one of those categories and we were climbing the walls with five days to go. Who's going to be our centre-back pairing? But this year, touch wood, we're not in that boat. And it's nice to be going into the last five days knowing that, A, we're not going to do anything, and B, we don't have to do anything. We don't need anything. We'd like something. We don't need to. Yeah. you know. So I think all we're, fans we're would in, like it. Boom. Yeah, but we don't need it. And there's a big difference. And yeah. we've seen with Klopp before that he's quite prepared to wait for the target that he wants. So we'll see. But yeah. I think that we're touch wood we're in an okay position at the moment. What's Aubameyang got left on his deal, does anyone know? 18 months. 18 months, yeah. So yeah. it's going to be a hard one. I mean, they'll end up, we've seen rumours of a 6 million transfer and all just to get him off the books. It, it's crazy. You know, you give that you give that money and it's opening up a can of worms and it's hard. We've seen Manchester United as well with Alexis Sanchez and others doing it and Arsenal themselves with Ozil. It's a dangerous game, something that Liverpool have to be cognizant of as well with Mo Salah, even though fans yeah. would just say, give them the money, give them the money. Yeah, you open yourself up then. Uh, we've even seen Bayern Munich when they gave Leroy Sané a big a big deal when he went there. And then other players, Goretzka was coming in looking for big money and Nicolas Sula now was leaving because they won't give him. Oliver Kahn has come out saying, well, we pay what we think they're worth and no more. And teams do have to be 
have to be weary of, of this space when it happens. But the players that Arsenal have been looking at, you know, Dusan Vlavic, I know uh, Matt, you said Spurs are looking at him as well. It was never a realistic target. You know, Liverpool were linked with him as well um, in this in uh, the summer. And the talk then was Juventus. He's always destined for Juventus. And when you are coming in for these players, it, it's a it's a big pull. It's a hard one to to get in front of. I mean, when Arsenal and Spurs are in the uncertain places that they are at the moment, you know, it's it's not the easiest sort of deal to pull off. And similar with, um, with Isaac, he's come out apparently and says there's no way he's going to be moving in this window. And the other forward they're linked with is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Now, Everton, Everton had the effort of taking, I'm sure. But I don't know if the fans will be too happy if their their golden boy gets sold. You know, Mate, they're already crying about a manager they haven't even got yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they've, they've enough enough going on in their lives, haven't they? To be worrying about losing. Did you see that they did like a protest to the, the owner, and one of the flags just said "boo." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. I love it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're great crack. They worth every penny, everything. You know, the fans <laughs> just go. They're so. I wouldn't say miserable because you know they're a long time without a bit of silver. Where they're there, but Jesus, they they act like they should be a, such a big club. And now they, they it wouldn't suit them. It wouldn't suit them playing at the, at the big boys' table. But look, we'll see. Everything could be on the brink of doing something. We never know. Yeah, right. It's not happening. <laughs> Um, Ma, back to you. Still in North London, over to your lads. Now, it's been an interesting month for Spurs. Like I say, Conte has been coming out and openly saying he needs players, not just like one player. I think he's saying I need multiple players in the squad. Adama Traore has been linked an awful lot. Luis Diaz now is being linked. Well, Luis Diaz, he bid for Luis Diaz, so it's more than a link. Where are the areas of strength that you'd like to see them? Is it you know, is it a winger necessarily that they want or is there more that you think they need to do? Um, the, the worst part about this is winger wasn't on our list. We've got a long list of things that we need to improve and winger was not on there. You know, we need a right wing back. We need a left sided centre back. We need a centre midfielder. We need a backup striker. Um, and then all of a sudden we have, what is it, £37 million to bid for Luis Diaz. And I know he has the the attributes and the ability to, to play as a Conte striker, which is you know, not, not a typical out-and-out striker, like the, the role that uh, Matteo Palatano or Alexis Sanchez kind of had at yeah. Benjamin last season. Um, but it's it's concerning that that is the deal that, as we're hearing at the moment, is our priority and is the one that we want to get done. And I've seen a lot of people there saying, uh, you know, have we signed Traore? Was that done? To be honest, that looks like it's not going to happen at the moment, which is a very, very strange turn from what we've been hearing for the last two, three weeks. Um, George Mendes has offered him to, to Barcelona at the moment, and look, Luis Diaz is an incredible signing. He's he's a really, really good signing. It's a clever bit of business to get it done in January if we can get it done. But it's concerning how we're neglecting the other areas of the pitch that, that need to be sorted. And as Kev mentioned there, it's a race against the clock. Financially, we're on the back foot now. We need to offer five, ten million pounds more for, for any player that we want to get in. And it's been after, this is coming now after 26 days of doing nothing. Um, and we're holding out hope because Fabio Paratici, the way he works is he'll negotiate for four, five, six different players for a certain position. A lot of the times it can be done completely behind the scenes. You know, Brian Gill over the summer, the first we heard of that was Ritz Romano saying, here we go, it's a done deal. Um, so I'm hoping there's something like that there, but I'm not really holding, holding much hope for it. The one deal that we've definitely got done, um, once Ndombele makes that move to PSG, we're going to be bringing in Sofian Amrabat yeah. from Fiorentina, who... 
he's not a pretty signing. He's not one that any Spurs fan would have identified as a player that we needed. But he he's a clever signing because he, he's cheap. I think it's a loan with an option to buy for twelve yeah. uh, million pounds in the summer. But he's a Conte player, and and that for me he's is doing well player. at he's doing well at the Afcon. He's a good player. Yeah, he, he's having a, a poor enough season with Fiorentina, but he's, he's doing well there. And w- with him, what I wanted for him, I feel, was a number ten or a playmaker or like someone to replace Christian Eriksen, which which we have never done. And that's kind of what I've been banging on about for, for the last couple of months. And someone made the point in, in my comment section recently that Conte never really uses uh, a number 10. He doesn't have a playmaker, whether it was in that 3-5-2 with Inter Milan, which, you know, at times was was kind of the ex- exception to the rule. could be Christian Eriksen there. But even at Chelsea, he had like a, a Fabregas at Inter Milan, a Brozovic, a Sensi, a Barella, who can be defensive and offensive, who doesn't have a, a one particular skill. He can do a little bit of everything. And I think that's what, what Amrabat offers, um, a bit more ball progression in the middle instead of Hoybier as well, which is good. But I, I think we're, we're not addressing what needs to be addressed at the moment. So I was going to ask you there, you sort of touched on the creative midfield player. If you are the fantasy football here, you've won signing to make, you've got uh, the money to bring in, realistically who you you want to bring in, what's the one position you're strengthening and who are you targeting? It's it's a difficult one because <laughs> we, we need so much. Um, the The... I thought our priority would be a left-sided centre-back, but having brought in Ben Davis back into the fold, he seems to be um, not ideal, not a long-term option, but he, he's setting the ship back there for the moment. If I could have my pick of, of left-sided centre-backs, I want Alessandro Bastoni from Inter Milan. And Look, it may not be the most realistic deal, but I would have said the same thing about Christian Romero six months ago. You know, I didn't think that would happen. Um, Bastoni, for me, he, he proved it last year. He's that perfect player for that Conte system. Uh, you know, A centre-back who can bomb forward, but also has that recovery pace and is a very good defensive player. Um, I'd love to see him come in. But from what's realistic and what we're actually looking at right now, Adama would be my my, my best choice. Um, he, he doesn't have end product, which is a massive, massive concern. But Conte, if there's one thing he's good at, it's getting the best out of wingers or getting the best out of wing backs. And you know, we, we want him to be our Victor Moses, which sounds like a crazy sentence, but could be the thing that gets us into top four because Emerson Real just hasn't done it uh, since he came in. I think the... The criticism he's been getting has been a bit exaggerated and perhaps uh, hasn't been deserved in, in its entirety, but he hasn't been good enough. And we need someone to to be better out there because we rely so much on our, our wing-backs for creativity. But Reglan down the left or, or Cessnion, whoever it is, we need something to match that out the right-hand side. And again, if Adama is, is Conte's number one option, as, as much as I don't think it'll work out, I, I trust him and I want that to happen. Yeah, um, Adam is a player that we've been linked with many a time as well, and and a lot of our fans are like getting Adam, getting Adam, but I just think his his end product isn't there. His numbers aren't yeah. there, and the, the, his price. We were linked with him last year, and Wolves were talking or rumored to be talking a hundred million, and it's like pfft, not happening, not happening. <laughs> and as it's gone on and gone on, his price is plummeting. And I know when players are coming to the end of contracts and all, prices drop, but it seems like Wolves are desperate to get rid of him now, and our. Or Mendes is desperate to move him on. And that's a red flag. You know what I mean? I think he'd be good as an impact player. But I think if Spurs are signing him, he's a first team player. And I think you'd run into trouble with him. Uh, we, Matt Hayhoe in the chat there, our Spurs squad run issues run deeper than a fantasy signing lad. So I think he's backing up what you're saying there, Matt. That there's you know, a lot of work to be done. But look, there's, there's still a few days for us to get something over the line. Kendall, Spurs... Can you see them doing that in this window? Do you, do you agree with Matt that there's a lot of work to be done on that squad? Um, is it a Conte squad, in your opinion? Is it the type of... Has he got the players that he can work with from what we've seen in the past? 
I don't think it's a Conte squad at all. I think Matt would agree. Um, it, it can't be. He hasn't really had much of a chance to do anything about it, um, in all fairness. So right now it won't be a Conte squad. I don't think it'll be a Conte squad even over the next two windows, in my opinion. Um, there's too much to be done and we all know Daniel Levy is notoriously difficult to um, do deals with. So <laughs> I don't think it'll be a Conte squad for a while, depending on how long he stays. Um, I do think they'll there'll be at least a player in by the end of the window um, because they have been going about their business pretty quietly. Um, obviously, the Triora deal was a little bit in the in the public eye and that hasn't happened, um, which is probably, I think it's probably a good thing. Um, I agree with you, Keith, on that. I just think that he's just, I don't think he's Premier League quality at this moment um, until that final third quality and he's getting older now, so... Whether or not he will be again, I don't know. He could do a Lukaku and go to like Serie A and be the best winger you've ever seen in your life, but um, that's a that's a risk you take. So yeah, it's probably a good deal that Triori. Good thing that Triori hasn't been done. Um, I think that probably going forward, Conte'll want to fix up a little bit defensively. I agree. I would have thought that a centre back would have been the immediate overriding issue there, um, and it doesn't look like they're in for one. So. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's Spurs is a funny club because you actually, because there's such like an imbalance between what Conte wants, what Daniel Levy's willing to do, what Paratici wants to do. Like, you actually don't know what they even, what their like approach is or what their strategy is going forward. It's like a, you don't know who's going to come out on top in that situation. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what they get done in the window. But I think summer will be the one where um, we see a bit more business from Conte and, and Co. Yeah, makes it feel any better. Thing. We don't know the answer to any of those questions either. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, Matt? That that's a good point because I think there is a, a huge unknown element there. The fact that you have Paratici in there now, it's not just Conte negotiating with Daniel Levy. I want this. I want that. You know, the director of football or the sporting director is there to do a job. He's given a a, a budget, and it's like, right, what do we need? And Conte. You know, he's not a long-term manager in, in, in jobs he's been. And it'll be interesting to see what sort of signings he does make. You know, because Adama Traore is Premier League ready, Premier League proven. He's not a young player. With Brian Gill, obviously, was the opposite end of that spectrum. He was a young player that, that needs to develop and needs to grow. So it'll be interesting to see what Conte wants because he always wanted, in a similar way to Jose Mourinho, he always wants older players, you know, that are ready and that he can rely on straight away because he's not going to be there long term but will be um, very much a watch this space Kev mm. Spurs what do you see them doing do you think they'll do enough or is it just a case as Kendall said there of you know keep it till the summer and then see what you have to do then or are they going to are they risking missing out on a top four opportunity I'd love to have been a fly on the wall to hear what Antonio Conte was promised <laughs> and be in the room on the 1st of February with phone call going, you told me this and I've got that. What the fuck are you playing <laughs> at? Um, Conte, the scary thing for me is Conte is very capable of protecting brand Conte yeah. and saying, look, you promised me this. You haven't fulfilled your end of the bargain. I'm out. I doubt it. I don't think he will. But you damn, I felt I thought the Lewis. I when I saw the first saw the Lewis Diaz story, I thought that's Spurs trying to get the hurry up on Wolves, make a decision, or we'll look elsewhere. Now, 
I think what Spurs have reportedly offered for Luis Diaz is his value. I don't believe he's worth any more than 35 to 40 million euro. Yeah. We I said think. that recently as well. Yeah, we, we did. We, we are both, we both said that multiple times. The buyout clause is something that clubs put into contracts because one, they have to, but two, it protects them that if they have to rush and buy something, fine. It's buyout is something silly, like 68, 70 million euro. It's 80 million euro, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a ridiculous buyout, but it's a, it's one that you see in the, in the Iberian Peninsula a lot with Spain and Portugal, with all their players, they always have an inflated buyout clause. Mm -hmm. But I think 35, 40 million will still be his value in the summer. That's why I can see Porto holding firm now, because they're still in the Champions League. Another round into the Champions League if they qualify and get into the last eight, which they're capable of. Who have they got? <sighs> Ajax, is it? No, know. that's Benfica. Someone in the chat will, will sling it in there pretty quick. Yeah, But if they get matter. into the last eight of the Champions League, that is a fair chunk of change you know, for a club, especially a club like Porto, where their wage bill isn't huge. You know, so I honestly felt that the bid wouldn't be enough to move him in January and I thought this is just you know Wolves get a move on make a decision get a fee sorted and let's get this Adamatory or a deal done now Wolves turned around and done the Hyung Min Sun or Hyung Min Sun uh, Wang Hee Chang yeah. deal today and confirmed he, they're paying his 16 million euro buyout clause which great is great bit of business that great bit of business that um, I think Bruno Gamares would have been an ideal Spurs player and for the fee that Newcastle are reportedly being asked, Spurs should have been all over that. Um, it's not extortionate. It is what he is worth. He's a very good player. And he would have fitted into what Spurs, what Conte would want to do in that midfield, especially if he wants to revert to a midfield three. You know, because he's very capable of playing both positions, be it a holding mid or an attacking mid or an ace. He can do all of that. Um, again, I think Spurs are against the clock and they're in danger of missing the boat. And I think if they miss the boat and this window, having Conte already come out and said what he needs doesn't do much for the squad for the second half of the season. You know, he's basically telling half the squad, look, I don't care whether you, you're here now or not. You won't be here. I don't want you here. You're going to be gone soon. And that in the in the running could hurt their top four run. I think they're good enough to get into the top four. I think I was on a show with Matt there not long back, and I said that Spurs should get in around the top four argument. They're not far off Chelsea. Um, Chelsea are in a bit of a free fall, so there's Spurs should be looking to improve the squad to push Chelsea and get into the Champions League. You know, it's Arsenal are messing about with it. But Arsenal have the advantage of no Europe. But, you know, it's got to be a, an interesting run-in. But I think Spurs are very much in danger of missing the boat. And this is the danger when you leave things till late. You're waiting for other pieces to fall into place. And if they don't, you'll end up with, you know, peeing against the wind kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I really think Spurs are going to surprise everyone. Um I hope they don't surprise me because I, <laughs> I, I would almost personally guarantee we're going to make at least two signings. Um, everything, everything that we're doing, everything that we've always done under Daniel Levy has relied on outgoings. 
Yeah. And we made a big step today towards getting Indomitable to PSG. Um, the, the problem there was we wanted them to pay all the wages. They obviously didn't want to pay these on 200 grand a week, which is insanity. Um, we, we crossed that bridge today. They're going to pay that. And it's just negotiating a buyout option for him. Um, at the end of the six-month loan, I uh, expect Eli Ali to leave. I think Brian Gill will go uh, on loan if we do get someone else in. And there's the potential for Jaffa Tanganga or Joe Rodan to leave as well. And I, I have faith in Paratici because I, I fully believe Levy has taken a step back. Just the way we're going about the business, the way uh, things are actually happening, I think it is Paratici who was who was in charge of everything now. And I have faith that, that he will have things lined up for, for when those uh, departures happen. And... Just on, on Diaz, I, I don't expect us to sign him. I, I don't think that's one that'll happen. It was a low-ball first offer, and kind of like the, what Chris said about Arsenal a while ago, it seems like a PR thing. It's one to, that we're pretending to show ambition, and it's not going to happen. Spurs typically do that. And the examples over the last five, six, seven years, you have Milan Skriniar, with Steve Hitchin went out to Milan to try yeah. and get things done. You have Bruno Fernandes, Paolo Dybala, um, and you can rattle off a hundred other names. And yes, the, the precedent is there for us to, to mess this up, but... The point that I would make that I, I saw made on Twitter, um, it's not often I find intelligent stuff on Twitter, but I did. Um, someone said that with Christian Romero being the, the kind of big name we were linked to over the summer, for the management that we have at the moment with Fabio Pratchi and, and his team around him, Romero is the big player that we've been linked to. It's the only one that they've tried to bring into Spurs and they were successful with it. So I think it's unfair to judge the the current team based on what the, the previous regime did. I know Levy is still there, but I don't think he's in charge of that side of things. So I think we need to cut them a little bit of slack and, and put a bit of faith in them that it will happen. But for me, I, I, I'm not. I'm more optimistic than I would have been 12 months ago, but I, I still don't think it will happen because Diaz will have the, the pick of the bunch in the summer um, when, when that price begins to drop. And for Spurs, if we, if we don't get it now, we won't get it in the summer because there's a lot of more enticing teams out there than, than Tottenham at the moment. Indeed, there is, and I think you know myself, Kev, and Kendall will all be watching with interest because I mm. think our teams will all be looking or should be looking at Lewis Diaz as well. And I'll quickly, but we will leave Kendall for a few minutes with Newcastle. We'll just quickly because they're going to be the ones with the most links and the most uh, things to talk about. We'll quickly go through a few deals that have sort of gone through and that are being rumored to go through. Um, Anthony Marshall's gone to Sevilla on loan for the rest of the season. He needed to get out of Manchester United. It didn't work out for him. Um, the, unfortunately for him and Martin Tyler, it just never happened for him at Manchester United. <laughs> but he's done, he hasn't done himself many favours because he hasn't really, you know, opportunities were there and he never grasped them. The move is good from Kendall. I'll come to you on this one. Marshall, good meal for him, or will he be back at United in six months with Jesse Lingard and just filling a place on the bench next season? Or do you think it's a chance to kickstart his career? The thing is, is he needs to take the chance. There's now there is no excuse for him not not to take this chance. Now it's absolutely up to him. Um, I think that he he needs to he needs to do like like a lot of other players have done as we say again I'll bring up Lukaku again he was in an extremely toxic relationship with Man, with Man United at the time he needed to get out he did and he's ended up with a 100 million move at the end of it that can be Martial if he puts the work in um whether or not he will is a different story I don't know I don't know the player I don't know what his work rate is like Man United fans seem to be very um having a, a serious affinity to him for, for some reason. I, I don't understand that. I don't know why they do because for about two or three years now, he hasn't done anything for them. Um, but that affinity and that soul tie with Man United fans seems to still be there. I would guess that they probably would want him back like as a renewed player. But I don't think that he, 
I think that's probably his Man United career over now. Um, it's not very often a player goes out on loan and comes back renewed and like a, a completely different player when they've gone elsewhere. So, yeah. I hope it works out for him. He's still relatively young. He can still make an absolutely unbelievable career out of himself. The ability's there. We've seen it. But now that's up to him and that is whether he wants to go and do that. Similar to the likes of Jesse Lingard, similar to Deli Ali. It, if they get moves this window, it is now completely up to them because they don't have an excuse to hide behind. They don't have, you know, I'm sitting on the bench. I'm not getting my chance. I'm in a bad relationship with the club. They don't have that excuse now if they get that move. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what he does. And Sevilla are doing pretty well in the league at the moment. I think they're still second. So, yeah, um, yeah hopefully yeah. he makes an impact and gets a has a better career going forward. Yeah, Manchester United and their fans' affinity to players is not new. They <laughs> made a song about them. Um, they they love Tony Marshall there at Manchester United, but they've done that about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being at the wheel. They done one um, about Virgil Van Dijk being just like Phil Jones. They make a song about you. It's a kiss of death. So you know, one way it last. Um, another deal that went through is one that went very much under the radar. Kev, I'm going to ask you, Julian Alvarez, eighteen million dollars, I think it is, to Manchester City. Mm-hmm. What you loan back to River Plate, so he's a the hot young Argentinian forward player. He's been in the Argentina squad in around it there recently in the Copa America. And that he's gone to Man City, he's going back on loan to River Plate. Um, one for the future. Uh, I've Definitely. read that it's not going to impact their uh, ambitions to sign a forward, and um, that'll be a first team player. But what do you think of that as a deal? It's a very good deal, it's a very smart deal because they've sold Ferran Torres for profit and used the profit to basically fund this deal for this kid. And he is quick. He's 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 rapid. Um the the clips I've seen of him, he's he's a typical Argentina striker. His movement is really good. And under Guardiola, this this kid could be anything. He really, really could. They could, in a few years' time, you could be turning around talking about. Did you see how much they paid for this kid? What a bargain! It's a free hit because every which way you look at it, they're not going to lose on it. If it doesn't work out in two years' time, they'll sell him and, and flip him and make a profit on him anyway. You know, if it does work out, it's a bargain, and he saved them a fortune. You know, it, it's win-win for them. And look, when they get it, there's a couple of things that Man City have actually got right in the last few days. And I just wanted to mention that actually, the you shouldn't ever see clubs getting slated or hammered for giving kids cheap tickets mm. who may ne- who may never get a chance to go and watch a game. Now, my missus was over in Bristol last week, and she was thinking about going to go and watch Bristol City when she was over there for the for the weekend. And she just phoned up. She just phoned up how much of the match tickets? It's forty-one pound on the day to go and watch for the side in the, for one ticket to go and watch the side in the bottom half of the championship. Forty-one pound. Now, if you can get to take your kid to go and watch Man City for a tenner, Man City shouldn't get slated for that. I'll slate Man City all day long for lots of things, no problem at all. Leave, just go in, leave me alone for an hour, and I'll rabbit on about them. No problem. But not for that. That's hats off, fair play. And if you can do it, and if it means you get more kids in to see the games, good, fair play. It's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, it's something uh, we can have a dig and say, like, they've got the seats to give these tickets for cheap, you know, like, 
the, I'm sure Spurs are similar um, to ourselves, Matt, and definitely Newcastle. Uh, you sell out every week, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, it's hard to get the tickets to the games. Man City, not that they have that luxury. And it's not a dig at them, but I'm surprised they haven't done this sooner. I'm surprised they haven't been given cheap tickets to get bodies into that stadium because I don't care the look when they're playing big games, big Champions League games, and there's acres of empty seats in the stadium. It's it's just a terrible look. So I'm surprised they haven't done it sooner. But I agree 100% with you, Kev. Never slate a team for doing that because, you know, £41 for Bristol City is scandalous, you know, and yeah. we've all gone to support our clubs and... Roy Kendall, you're local up there, so you can get to Newcastle all the time. Matt, you know, you probably get over a couple of times as well. They at the Spurs and like like ourselves, we get over and you, you'll pay it on the the one or two occasions you can get there. But, you know, to give that that cheap ticket, it's such a good um, incentive to do. And they do have to be applauded for it. We won't give them much more applause, but that'll be about That's it. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Matt, I'll come to you, Matt. Right, a quick one before we move on to Kendall. Um, Barcelona, project rebuild is starting. They're in talks for Cesar Aspilicueta. Now, I won't give my age away, but Cesar Aspilicueta is nearly as old as me. I know he wouldn't be any use for a rebuild anywhere. What do you make of this? Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. It's not surprising because Barcelona are undoubtedly the worst run club uh, in the world. It's, I mean... I can understand to some extent that if they are going to be bringing in uh, young players, if they are going to have a proper go to rebuild, if they're going to try and breed players like Pedro Gavi into that team, um, who obviously have, have incredible talent, a leader like Azpilicueta back there um, would do well. I'm sure Azpilicueta would ha- be happy to uh, go back to Spain for the end of his career. And he's, he's still a good player, but he, he's not the level he was at. Um, and I think Chelsea fans are, are quickly realising that in the last couple of months as well. Um, he's, he's versatile. He does offer that as well, but I, I, I just don't see the sense in it. I really don't. Um, there, this. I, I, I'm always surprised by by how Barcelona managed to 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 mess everything up. And there's there's players out there like if they have the money back, like Jonah Porta has has claimed they've had someone like a Nicolas Sula, bring him in as a centre back if you have to. You know, someone who has played at the top level, of course, won a lot with Bayern Munich, has the ability, has played at national level. Um, someone like that who can come in and actually be some bit of a long term player or again if the money's really there like the big players are seeing the Hallands and all that I don't think they'll be able to make those signings but there's a lot of directions Barcelona could have gone with this one and I'm very surprised that this is the, the main one Yeah it's a strange one I know they're looking at uh, Christensen as well but the thing is they they can't get they're another club that struggle to get rid of their players as well Mm-hmm. Um, Titi had to take a, a pay cut so they could get Ferran Torres in the door and you know shifting these players would be really difficult you know so it, it's again I agree with you it's a very poorly run club you know Lionel Messi was getting a million pound a week right or a million euro a week he earned every penny of that and he was an economy he was an economy in himself so you know what they were paying Leo Messi they were getting back tenfold maybe not tenfold but they were getting it back they then had uh, Antoine Griezmann on 800,000 apparently a week. They didn't get that back. That wasn't an economy. That was a false economy. But they've other players that are getting like five, Frankie de Jong's on about 400,000. You know, it's it's going to be really hard to shift. How you get into this state, it, it's madness and it's negligent. But yeah, I heard the rumours they have got this money for this big rebuild and they are in the Haaland sweepstakes and they're in the every other player now sweepstakes. 
I didn't think it'd be Azpilicueta and Christensen that they're being linked with and Adama Traore, but, you know, maybe it's going to be a slow burner and they'll they'll just do January and come the summer, it'll be when they'll do their business. But, yeah, I was surprised to see them linked there. Kev, I'm going to come to you quickly, right? Liverpool, we're a Liverpool channel, right? Yeah. So let's have a little talk about Liverpool. Are Liverpool going to do any business in January, Kev? No, right, enough about Liverpool. We'll move on. Um, now, very Sorry, quickly, chat. very quickly, right, I've seen those linked I think up. There'll be the one out. Today. I think there'll yeah. be one out. Uh, I think Nat Phillips is the only one you can sell without having to replace him. Yeah, we've said that um, for a long time, that I got he's, a, he's one player that we could move on. i got a sneaky feeling if Dan Byrne ends up going north, Nat Phillips could go south. Yeah. And I could see that working out really well for both clubs. Because Nat Phillips reminds me a little bit of um, Andy Webster. Yeah, Adam Webster. Uh, no, Adam Webster, yeah. 25 million Adam, they paid for Bristol City for Webster. Yeah. And they molded him into the centre-back that he is now. Nat is a bit older than what Webster was at the time. But he proved last season that you give him a job to do, and he can do it. And he got better as the season went on. He's not a clunky, you know, passer of the ball. He can pass the ball. He can, he can definitely head the ball. You know, he can defend. And he loves defending. Ask Ibra. <laughs> Ibra yeah. knows. But, you know, it's... I want nice things from Nat Phillips because I honestly think that he did the club a solid by staying for six oh, months. 100%. You know, he got an extension in his contract and a nice pay rise, but he could have got him. He could have pushed for a move at any time last summer and he didn't. He stayed because we needed someone in case any of the players who were injured coming back broke down and he stayed. So I just hope for nice things for him. I hope he gets a good move. I hope he gets a move that he wants and I think the club will facilitate that move by not asking for a ridiculous fee. You know, I think he'll go for seven, maybe eight, nine million tops and I think the club will facilitate that. Yeah, the, He owes the club nothing. You know, he's had, we've had a few loan fees off of him. You know, we've had, he came through the system. We never paid for him. You know, if we get it, it, I think he's worth more, but I think if we get eight, nine million, he'll get the move to a club that he wants to play with and he'll play. You know, I think there's a few clubs out there who could do well, who do well to sign someone like him because he's a, def he's a center back who loves defending. And that's a, you don't see that often. You often see center backs who think they're footballers and who try to be footballers when they shouldn't be playing football. Uh, he's not that. And he will, put his body on the line and I just like to see him get a move that he wants. There's been interest apparently in Nico again, uh, but I can't see him being allowed to go in this window. In the summer, definitely in the summer, I think he'll get a move. I don't see us bringing anyone in. We're not. When, these, when the AFCON is over and by the time we face Cardiff, bar maybe one, I think we've got a fully fit squad and a fully yeah. available squad. And going into the second half of the season, unless some exceptional value deal came up on your doorstep, like the link with Paolo Dybala today, and even then, I look at it and think, "Where'd you fit? Yeah. You know, where'd you where'd you fit now? You know, I can see where you might fit if someone else leaves, but you don't fit today. You know, you might fit in July first, but you don't fit now. 
So I'm happy. I'm happy enough with the squad. You yeah. know, I I love a shiny new thing, but I'm not desperate for one. Yeah. I'd be surprised if the baller came to Liverpool even in the summer because I don't yeah. know if his attributes and his age are, you know, what would what we would need. But Luis Diaz is one that I do think will come to Liverpool in the summer. Um, I think he'll be our top attacking target and I think we may get him in the door. I think um, Chumenia Monaco will be a target that we will probably get in the door as well and I think Liverpool will look to do one other but I don't think it'll be big and there certainly won't be any ins in January um, but you touched on the one out and Nat Phillips I think every Liverpool fan wishes Nat Phillips the best you know Nat Phillips came in when we were absolutely on our hunkers last year and he picked us up put us on his back and headed us 20 yards out and I just think he is a set I said it all along um, in our team. I think he's good enough for a lot of Premier League teams. Some lads thought he was championship level. You look at some of the some of the teams in the Premier League, he may not be good enough long-term for Liverpool the way we want to play football, but he certainly is good enough for a lot of Premier League teams. Um, Kendall, he was linked with you guys as well. Um, and I think you tweeted something about it as well, tongue-in-cheek maybe the other day. Is he a player you'd like to see up at Newcastle? Because I think it's a, I think it's a, a weird move from if he went there because with the business you guys are likely to do, he could find himself moving there mm. and then f- being fifth or sixth in the pecking order when bigger, shinier names come in. Is he the type of player you'd like to see? Or Dan Bourne, even as Kev said, not the fanciest of names, but would you mind seeing a player like that? Because I think he's doing it. We'll move on to Newcastle now. I think there's a lot of positions that need filling there, you know, for quality. You've got Trippier in the door. You've got Chris Wood in the door. I'd say, I'd nearly say every other position needs to be filled as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I totally agree. Is Phillips um, a player that would interest you? Yes. I The tweet that I tweeted the other day wasn't tongue-in-cheek. I think that I'm actually significantly surprised that we haven't already been interested in him on a, an official level. Yeah. Um, I think, obviously, the Botman deal didn't happen. Basically, Lille just a nightmare to deal with. Same with Sevilla and Diego Carlos. Um, strangely, who is represented by the same agent as Gimarash is now. Um who I'm assuming is, I don't know, has maybe tipped us off about that, but um very surprised about Nat Phillips. I would be surprised, I'm surprised even more if we go in for Dan Byrne and not Nat Phillips, because that, like that to me doesn't, I don't really understand that. But I do get what you said. It's a good point that maybe it's not a long-term thing. Um The thing is about Nat Phillips though, it could be. Like he might end up being like unbelievable. Like you just you don't you don't know that. Do you know what I mean? But it could end up being a long term thing. But I do kind of get that. But then again, I don't think Dan Byrne will be a long term thing either. I think it's just a it's a cover position, and maybe in the summer we're going to recoup for Botman, and um, which I'm assuming is going to happen because he said that he wanted to leave and he wanted to come. And personal terms were agreed, and Neil just were not budging on what they wanted. They were up in the price three million, five million at a time. Um, so, yeah, I'm surprised we haven't gone in for Nat Phillips. Now, I, I wouldn't mind Nat Phillips at all. I think that game he played at the San Siro was unbelievable. Um, so the player is there. And I think just any sort of addition to our back line now would be good. Um, but as as someone says there, if we got Dan Byrne and Nat Phillips, then that would be less than what we would pay for Diego Carlos, for example, probably. So we could even do that. I don't know what we're going to do because in my opinion, centre-back was the 
position we needed to fill. Striker became a little bit more burning because obviously Callum Wilson was injured for eight weeks, but the centre-back, we needed two centre-backs and we've signed none up to now. So that is a concern for me. So if these players are available, I don't see why we're not going in for them. Um, but yeah, I would have I would have Nat Phillips all day long. Yeah, as Kev said, I can't see Liverpool standing in as well. So I'd say he is easily attainable. And I know what Newcastle are going to run into now was the... the the oil tax is going to be lashed onto everything. But I don't think Liverpool are going to start being ridiculous about Nat Phillips because I think the, the the way Jurgen Klopp manages his team and his players, he won't stand in their way and he won't hold players back. If they're good to him, he'll be good to them. So it is a strange one that he haven't gone to do that one yet. They've also lost out on Robin Goosen's uh, Atalanta left back that. is going to Inter Milan, which would have been, a, a, in my opinion, would have been an absolutely brilliant signing at Newcastle. Mitchell Backer, I think, is the 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 next option at yeah. left back. Where, like, if you, I asked Matt earlier, the one sign in one position, what's the one for you that you think needs to be done and should be done in this window to be enough to keep you up? Because. I know it's hard to cut throat down that bottom half and anyone can slip in and a couple of wins can drag you out until you're comfortable, you're not comfortable. Do you know what I mean? So what one position do you think they need to do to get themselves comfortable? It sent it back immediately. That was, we are so bad defensively. Um, when I watched the Leeds game today, obviously I was there and I thought, you know what, actually they had a decent game, sent it back on a decent game. Um, and... It wasn't too bad at the time, but that's one in, one in 20 game chance. Like, it's just, we are where we are for a reason. Um, and it's because defensively we've been extremely poor and because we can't score goals. Um, so for me, it would have immediately been a centre-back, hence why I'm so shocked that we haven't. I know we've been working on those two deals. We worked on the Botman deal for two weeks. The Diego Carlos has been three weeks now and it hasn't happened. So... Um, I think we'll probably get one in the next few days and it will be a Dan Byrne or a Nat Phillips. I don't think it'll be the, the long-term target that they want. Aside from a centre-back, it would have been a centre midfielder, which now looks like it is probably going to be done. Um, Lovely segue. You can tell that this isn't your force there. No. Going <laughs> on a, on a so, um, I'm used to it, Anna. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we are, that looks like it's going to be done now. And that signing for me is our marquee sign of this window. Yeah. If we pull that signing off, I'll I'll be absolutely I'll be gobsmacked, honestly. I'll be absolutely gobsmacked if that signing comes off because of the interest that he has from other clubs, um, his ability. Um it's just I mean, he's I think he's completed the most final third passes in, in League League One at the moment. So League on if you want to be French. Um so um so yeah. Uh, I was shocked with even the interest. Um, obviously, Leon have come out today and said that that's not happening. It's, yeah. it's not done, whatever. There has been so many times they've done this before. Ferland Mendy, Nabil Fakir, yeah. going back to Lacazette. Um, they've done this several times and it's simply because as far as we found out today that their stocks are floated on the stock exchange um, so they can't put any misinformation out um, or things that will make their stocks plummet. But every other source on planet Earth has said that that deal is happening. We have bid 33.5 million. He's got a medical on Friday because he's in Brazil at the moment. Um, and that looks like it could be done, um, provided nothing else <laughs> happens in that time. But again, I'm very, even despite the new owners, I'm very pessimistic. I don't know if um, it's going to happen. But yeah, if that deal comes off, I'll be 
literally gobsmacked. I, honestly, I, I'm very shocked. And obviously, the backer rumours have come out, come out today. And apparently, his representatives have flown to the UK today to sign that deal off. So whether that happens or not, I don't know. But that my head will fall off. Like, literally, my head will actually fall off. If them two deals come through, my head will be gone. Like, literally gone. Kendall, I think you need to prepare yourself because I think Newcastle are going to do about five deals before this window closes. Ever, so everyone's saying like deadline day is going to be mental. And genuinely, I-, I think it's going to be one of them. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to start announcing deals nearly daily because I think they need to get players in. I think the Chris Wood signing was a smart one in the sense that he took him away from Burnley. You know what I mean? So yeah. he literally weak. And not that he's getting 20 goals a season or anything, but he's Burnley's goal threat. So. You know, well, he will be improved upon as the years go on. It was a good one for the here and now to get him in the door. I think Bruno Gamarish is an excellent signing. I think he is brilliant. I agree. The the age profile of him, he's a Brazilian international. He's, he's a progressive player. People seem to think he's this deep-lying playmaker type of player. He's not. He gets around. He's a, he's a brilliant player. I think he goes in and he instantly makes you a better team in that midfield area. But I think, yeah, you get him done. And then I think you will get at least two defenders, whether they're two centre backs or a left back and a centre back. I think you'll do that, and I think you'll get another midfielder. I think it's, I think there's going to be loads coming in the door. There, it's takes you back to when Man City first got taken over, and you know they do Rabinho, don't they, on deadline day? And you know I think that could be a a bit of a scamper to get players through the door. Like Matt was saying about sports, they're talking to players behind the scenes. You don't know what's going on. They're lining up deals, lining up deals. Newcastle have found it difficult to get Botman, to get Diego Carlos, who I think is going to be a, an absolute godsend if you don't get him because he is very, very rash. He is a walking red card waiting to happen and I think he'd be out the gate in no time. The smart ones are than that Phillips and the, the Dan Bournes. Botman would be a great player, but you must be excited for how it's going at Newcastle and what the future is looking like because fans, let's be clear, fans don't, really give a shit what happens in Saudi Arabia. They don't care about, you know, their, their treatment of women over there. And look, we can be flippant about it, but ultimately, Man City fans are the same. You want success for your team. If you get instant success, you get instant success. And you're going to have to get used to then justifying that, you know, like the Man City yeah. fans have. But it must be exciting to be a Newcastle fan at the moment. Yeah, it's... it's- a strange position to be in because like it's almost like as I've said there I'm everyone's like super optimistic like who aren't a Newcastle fan they're like oh you're gonna do this you're gonna do that and I'm sat there like I don't think we will but that's because I've got like PTSD off the last like 15 years thinking that nothing's gonna happen honestly like we literally we were absolutely begging for Joe Willock in the summer like that was it and we waited till the last day and Joe Willock was done and we were like great Joe Willock's done and that was it and now it's like every single day there was three plus players being linked to us every player that is like even linked with the move it's on Newcastle they're interested and that to me is like I can't get my head around that as of more as of the moment a lot of Newcastle fans have become a little bit impatient with the window which I get because obviously the thing is people were like oh you've got money so immediately people just think right, you're going to do deals. But just because we have the money doesn't mean that we should spend the money just simply because we have it. Um, you brought up a point earlier about the fact that the clubs are going to see us coming and they're going to they're going up the price, they're going to inflate the price because we can pay the money up front. I get that. Um, but the likes of this Lingard deal, I absolutely don't, I don't agree with it all and I don't think we should be going paying 15 million as a package for a four-month deal. People say it's six months, but it isn't. It's four months. 
And that is nearly, we've got 17 games left. That is one million, nearly a million pounds per game. For me, people are going to say, well, yeah, but he's worth that if he keeps you up. Right, well, what if he doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> just like, like it's yeah. just a 50-50. There's, just, there's no reason why we should be doing that simply because Man United want us to. Um, and yeah, as Kevin says, like they were literally, they were just absolutely taking the mick basically because they can. He doesn't want a, a permanent deal, which I understand. We don't want a permanent deal, which I understand. Man United will not budge and they want a permanent deal or we pay £15 million. He's free in six days' time. He is a free transfer in six days' time. There's no reason for us to be going paying £15 million for him now, like when he's not even our player. And then if we stayed up, they want, on top of that, they wanted 10% of whatever that was. So it's like another £10 million. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just silly. And I'm glad that we're walking away from deals and saying no if they're becoming silly because it, it's a principle thing and you don't you're not you don't get rich by splashing your money basically you get rich because you are greedy and you're savvy about your money and that is how I want us to go forward although then you've got to look at the other part and think well what is the price of staying up this season and it's it's basically priceless at this point um we are desperate to stay up so it's it's just a matter of time I think I do agree with you in terms of I think this week will be interesting i think there'll be movement and i think we will do one deal and pay over the odds for one deal um whether i don't know what that'll be at this point but i think we will pay over the odds for one deal and whatever else happens and um, but as of yet we have no outgoings either so then i was going to ask you that kendall actually yeah. do yeah. you have to make way in your squad for these players to come in um yes we will event we will eventually because obviously at the moment, Callum Wilson's obviously out, so Chris Wood's just kind of replaced him for the moment. Sean Longstaff was supposed to be going Everton, Rafa's left, that's not happening now. But that's going to be our issue. There is absolutely nobody in our squad that anyone in the Premier League will take at this that's moment that we problem. that we want to get rid of. So, like, obviously, yes, St. Maximin, fine, but we don't want to get rid of St. Maximin, so he's not going to go anywhere. No one's going to take Dwight Gale in the Premier League. It'll have to be a championship, if that's the case. And that's if the player wants to do Yeah, and if he wants to go... Um, no one's going to take Matty Longstaff. No one's going to take Sean Longstaff. No one's going to take Jeff Hendrick. No one's going to... Like, there's just... That that squad is horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. We haven't upgraded the squad necessarily on a significant level. As I was saying about Spurs, we haven't done it since we were in the Championship five years ago. There are players there. Our back line, obviously, apart from Trippier now, is what we had in the Championship five years ago. Our midfield, apart from Joe Willock, is what we had in the Championship five years ago. So it's like we haven't upgraded the squad at all. Um, so we, I can't see us moving anyone out unless we mutually terminate some contracts, um, which I can maybe see happening because we kind of have the money to do that now as well. Um, Jeff Hendrick might be going to Middlesbrough. Okay, we'll just let him go. I don't even see why we're hesitating on a deal. Just let him go for whatever it is and just free that space up. There's just no need for us to be holding on to these players now, but I don't see anyone, I genuinely don't see anyone leaving as of, as of this moment because no one wants, no one wants them. That's just the, that's just the bottom line, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a legit days. problem. And as, with five days to go, it's it, it'll come from all sides. And Matt, you were, what you were saying earlier on about, uh, about Tottenham, Having to get the players out, they organise the Brian, you know, the Brian Gill loan, the Endombele move, because that is an expensive flop. The, you know, it was a big fee, big wages. It didn't help the player, I don't think, that, you know, he came in with such hype. And it just hasn't worked out for him. And, you know, that happens with players. 
but when you've got a limited time frame to get these kind of moves out made so you can get your incomings, it's very difficult. That's why I don't understand it with clubs. Why the dilly dally when you've got 30 days? You know, every club does this every year. They all leave it to the end, to the last week, in case you might save some money. You never do. Yeah. No club ever does. You know, and if you're moving countries and you've got a young family and you you going to move to Spain or you're going to move to France, you've got lots of other things to sort out as well as sorting out a move. You know what I mean? It's not easy and it's never straightforward. So I think these last five days are going to be absolutely nuts. I think they've got to, there's going to be absolute mayhem. There's going to be a domino effect somewhere. And when the dominoes start to fall, they're going to start falling everywhere. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Oh, I'm dreading it. I've, I've, honestly, <laughs> I've had a knot in my stomach this whole month. I need it just to be over. I need it gone. But then the knot in my stomach won't go because I'll be waiting until the last day of the blue no, season. Be, you're going to be finished <laughs> for the summer. I'm sick. I'm absolutely sick and tired. I would love someone to just come to me now and say, right, you guys still by a goal. I wouldn't even care if it was a goal. I would not care one bit. As long as it's still up. And if someone said to me, right, you guys still... I could, I could just sit back. I'd be like, right, great, crack on, do whatever you want. I don't honestly care anymore. I just wish I, I knew what was going to happen, but obviously that's that's football for you. You never, uh, you never know what's going to happen in football, do you? Really? That's why we love it. That's why we love it. Um, Jamrock, nineteen seventy-five. Jamrock puts in a super chat. Uh, thanks very much. Surprised Newcastle didn't reach reach out to Proy Origi now. I know Liverpool are sort of maybe reluctant to to lose any attacking players, but I think Origi is one that. If a bid had to come in, we may have let let happen. Is he a player that you would have likened to see up at Newcastle, Kendall? Because Eddie Howe has been um, a, a good benefactor to Liverpool in his in his Bournemouth days, and he always looked after us with inflated transfer fees. Um, and I thought Origi would have been a, a sensible choice because we spoke about tongue in cheek saying that, but we spoke about him on our show loads of times. He needs a move to a team where he can be a main man. And I think he'll get 15 to 20 goals in a season if he's playing regular football. He just can't do it at Liverpool. Is that type of forward someone you could see or you would have liked to see in the short term? Do you know what I mean? Until you can start bringing in the more elite players, would a, a player of the Origi calibre being someone you'd like to see? Are you happy with Chris Wood? Is Chris Wood one that you can say, right, we can get behind him? I wanted Origi. As soon as we obviously knew Callum Wilson was going to be injured, Origi was my immediate thought because, again, I, I know people can say, well, you have money, you can aim high, but at that's not where we're at the moment. We, I'm not naive to the fact that we are 18th in the league where we're not going to have the pull other than money um, that other clubs would have. So I, I wanted Origi initially. Obviously, then it was said that he, he wasn't going to be allowed to leave because of, of AFCON. Obviously, Mane and Salah were both out at AFCON, um, which I understood at the time. Um, and I got that and I thought, well, maybe this, maybe when the summer comes around, but we don't know where we're going to be at that point. So, yeah, I would have loved Origi. You know, I would have taken Origi. Um the Chris Wood signing, I was when it happened, I was convinced myself that I was happy about it. I, I wasn't initially like great woo like Chris Wood. That that wasn't me. I was like, come on, like I was trying to convince myself. I was bringing up the positive. I was like, right, this is good. Um, as time's gone on, I understand the signing. It was an easy coup because it was a release clause. We paid the release clause. It happened in in twenty four hours. Um, I got that. It immediately weakened our relegation rival um, in Burnley, who are a club that cannot simply go out and, and spend money. Their record sign is 13.5 million in Maxwell Corner. They're not going to go and spend 20 million, 25 million, 
on a strike immediately because that's not how they do business. They're in severe debt. Their new owners have put them in more debt than they were in prior. Um, so they're not going to do that, which helps. They're now looking at like Andy Carroll, for example. So for me, that was like a, a great thing to do. Against Leeds of the day, he aerially won the most on the pitch out of every single player on the pitch. That is something that we've struggled with for several years now because we don't have an aerial threat up front. Andy Carroll was the only one um, that we had and he was on a play-to-play contract and played like 30 minutes out the whole season. So we don't have that. So he does add something that we don't already have. I do think that him and Wilson will probably play well up front together when Wilson comes back. I don't think it'll be a one or the other situation. Um, At the time, I think we'll probably play both of them. If not, it'll be a case of which game suits which better. But I do think it's probably it's going to end up being a shrewd signing, and I think at the time it, it will have been the right one. Um, but yeah, it's just I would probably now like another one. Um, and like another striker, that's me being that's just me being a joke now. Um, that's me being greedy. But um, yeah, I, I think the Chris Wood signing in the end, twenty five million might be a lot to some, but it was a desperation move from us. Um, and it was a, a simple move that could have been done, and that's what happened. So, yeah, it is what it is at this point. If he if he offers us something that we didn't already have, then that's a positive for me. Exactly. It's, you know, come the summer, if he's still in the Premier League and Chris Wood is your third-choice striker next season, you won't be too upset about yes, it. And exactly. if you had to move on, you'd, there'll be plenty of takers. Matt, what do you make of the Newcastle situation? You know, look, Liverpool are in a position now where we're ahead above the other teams in the league along with Man City. Are you worried about Newcastle um, getting in there? You know, the, the, the makeup of the top four has been sort of broke up over the last couple of years. Teams are dropping out, other teams are coming in. Are you worried that Newcastle can make a play here and can really put the likes of Spurs under pressure? I, I'm i more worried about it now than I was when, when the takeover happened because... When they came in, it, it felt like it was the type of thing where they go out and they just make big signings for the sake of making big signings. And the, the perfect player I could use that exa- as an example, really, is Osman Dembele. Um, it was an extremely talented player, uh, would cost a lot of money, but it's very injury prone. And it's, it just seems like they're signing that big name rather than what actually he could do on the pitch. But they seem to have gone about their business in a very different way. And even within those deals that haven't happened, there's a lot of intelligent uh, players I've identified, like Ben Batman. Um, I, I think Diego Carlos maybe would kind of ruffle the feathers a little bit and could have been a good signing. Um, I know there's obviously the concerns with how rash he is and stuff like that, but uh, the Bruno Gimai rash is Jesse Lingard haven't done so well at West Ham last season. These are clever signings. And they're even with Chris Wood, with uh, Dan Byrne, Nat Phillips, they're players of Premier League experience. And I think they're going about that in a much better way than, than what I thought they would have done. But my concern for them is if you want to compare them to Manchester City when, when that all happened uh, back in was it, 2008, when that, that money started coming in, the difference now is the ceiling in the Premier League is a lot higher than it was back then. And it still took City quite a bit of time. They went through their period of bad managers. They went through their period of bad signings when, when that happened. I think Newcastle maybe will avoid that to some extent, but they've such a higher uh, ceiling to catch. I don't think they will win a Premier League title. I don't think they they may challenge for the top four. They're not going to reach that, that uh, very high ceiling. But then you you come into the question of this uh, is a PIF the group that have that have bought Newcastle. If things are to go well for them, they're going to want to expand. They're going to want to get other football clubs. I think there was talk of Inter Milan because I know the the, the Zangs are, are struggling financially. They, they lost Jack Sousuning uh, last year after winning the league in China. Um, you then run the risk of PIF getting an Inter Milan or getting another team like that and and their focus shifts. And all of a sudden, the big signings they want to make are 
with that other team and Newcastle may fall to the wayside a little bit. Um, I hope that doesn't happen because uh, Newcastle are a massive club and I think they do have the foundations there, the structure um, to, to go on and, and become a European team. But there's just so many moving parts and there's so many variables that just make it seem a lot uh, a lot more unlikely than it would have been 10, 15 years ago. Um, and that is my concern for them. But even if they go down this season, they'll make good signings in the championship. They'll, they'll come back up. I think as a Premier League club, they will uh, you know, get that stability and, and maybe be a, a Europa League side even. But in terms of consistently challenging right up there, I, I just don't see it happening for them, unfortunately. Kev, something Matt touched on there is he doesn't see Newcastle... Um, challenging for a Premier League title and you know it's it's a fair thing to say there's not many teams challenged but Leicester got in there and sort of you know threw the cat among the pigeons and won a Premier League title and I'll say this till the day I die they got in at the best possible time because you know other teams were in mm. sort of trans transition at that stage it was Spurs actually and Arsenal where the, the chasers really that year in that title race so Klopp had only come to Liverpool I think Guardiola was only was, was he even in a city yeah um, United had lost whatever manager they had lost at that stage that could be a possibility in you know two three years time that Pep Guardiola isn't at Man City Jurgen Klopp isn't at Liverpool and then the managerial appointments that happen can really knock a team down. If Newcastle are savvy about it and they can progress year uh, year on year, transfer window on transfer window, it's maybe not as unrealistic to think that they could challenge for a league, but it would have to be maybe on a down year for some of the, the other so-called big teams. Do you think it's possible? Or are you with Matt on this one? Nope. I think they're going to be challenging for the top four within two years. I the first thing I would do in the summer as I've been Eddie Howe, I don't I can't, I don't rate him as a man. I think he's a standing joke. I think he spent too much time at Bournemouth, and his reputation at the start at Bournemouth was great, young English manager. And for me, his rep he gradually went down and down and down. I don't rate him. I think he's a short short term fix until they get safe. And then you're going to see Newcastle go out and get an elite manager. Then you're going to see them bringing in elite players and you will see them fly out the table. What Matt said about Inter Milan is absolutely possible. I don't believe the PIF are going to stop at Newcastle. I think they're, they're going to diversify across the football world and you'll see them try to do the similar thing in Spain. They'll try to do a similar thing in Italy. And if they could do it, they'd probably try it in France and Germany as well. And within 15 years, PIF will have established a foothold in world sport through football. I don't agree with the ownership of Newcastle. I don't. I can't stand what they've done. I can't stand their record and human rights. I think they're an absolute abomination. And I, I've held that line and I've said that from day one, that if Liverpool were to come under an ownership like that, I would never, ever appear on a, a pod. I wouldn't tweet about it. I wouldn't talk about it. I would walk away. I'd go back to watching GA because there's certain things that I'm not prepared to continence, but that's just me. Now, what I think Newcastle will do, I honestly think they've got a big plan. I honestly believe that they are going to throw the kitchen sink at being a success. These, this country 
knows absolutely nothing other than being successful. You watch them when they when they go for it, when they do it with F1, when they've done it with UFC, when they brought major sporting events to Saudi. They go balls out. They don't mess about. They want it to be the biggest and the best and the brightest in the world, and they will stop at nothing to, to do that. I honestly think that that's what they're going to do at Newcastle. I think they're going to be such a force. And I don't think the league is prepared for it. Um, I know people will say it take it took Man City this long and that long. Do you not think that these people will have watched and seen the mistakes that they made and they will go out of their way to make sure they don't make those same mistakes? Do you not think they haven't sat down and studied what Klopp has done, what Guardiola has done, and bringing in the right characters into a club and bringing in the people who want to be there for the right reasons and they'll pay that money to get those right people. They will. They will absolutely do that. And if they haven't, and if they haven't studied what these successful managers have done in the last five to ten years, and they and they absolutely fail, then it's on them because there is absolutely no excuse for for them not to fail. There is absolutely no excuse for them for what has happened in the past not to learn from it because they have the funds. And the thing is, with financial fair play, they have a short window. Mike Ashley, the best thing that Mike Ashley did for Newcastle was not spend. Because Mike Ashley, in a weird, twisted way, has given Newcastle, these new Newcastle owners, free reign for a short period of time. You see what Mashiri did at Everton and how much he ploughed into the club badly. And they're suffering for it now. If Newcastle spend anywhere near what they're capable of spending and get do it right, sky's the limit. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Um, Kendall, I'll give you the last word on Newcastle before we wrap up. Um, you're excited about it. Something that Matt touched on there was, you know, if if they bought an Inter Milan, maybe the focus won't be on Newcastle, but surely the money and the riches in the Premier League would ensure that the focus was staying on Newcastle. Are you worried about maybe the ownership taking that right off the ball or are you, are you happy enough and confident enough that as Newcastle, something Kev said there was about Man City, Man City had to compete with another team in Manchester to get they had to climb over Manchester United before they could take over. Are Newcastle in a, a nice little position there? Do you think the Northeast they sort of have a big following, a fanatical following up there already? That they could, you know, put all their eggs into the Newcastle basket and really put the focus there. I think even if there is um, <clears throat> branching out, I think the the worth that they have is significant. Um, the owners, not the club, obviously, but the owners are in the league now worth 80-odd percent of the league's worth um, in terms of owners. So even if they do branch out, there's obviously... The Premier League is always going to be the 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 star in the crown, you know. Um, but that's just the way it is at the moment. Whether it or not, it'll change in, in however long, I don't know, but that's always going to be the case. Um, so Man City's owners, they have other clubs. Um PSG's owners probably have other clubs. I mean, even Watford's owners, for example, have Udinese as well. So it, it wouldn't be surprised me if they did. Um, it wouldn't necessarily bother me at, at the time, just depending on what happened. I don't think that we will be anywhere near challenging for a league title for about 10 years. Um, simply because it's me being cautious, but also the club 
I don't think people realise how much disarray the club's actually in at this moment in time. We don't have an academy structure. We sold all of our grassroots roots contracts to Liverpool and Chelsea. Um, we don't have a sporting structure behind the scenes, so we don't have a sporting director. We haven't had one since Dennis Wise came in as a director of football like 10 years Glory ago. Um, yeah, and that lasted a few, a few months. So we haven't had anything like that. We've only just recently brought in a first team performance analysis from yourselves. Um so we don't have a structure, which is going to take a few years um, because obviously FFP financially will come in. This wasn't around as stipulated as it is now when Man City were taking over. So there is a lot more to, to deal with in that res- that respect, um, I believe. But I think the owners have said five to ten years, that's they want to be pre- challenging for a title in five to ten years. If we can even get to an FA Cup final in five years, I will be over the moon. That genuinely I'll be over the moon because it's just progression, which is something we haven't had for the last 15 years. There was no, there was never any progression. There was never any intent to progress. It was stay stable. We might get relegated one couple of years, but it was just stay stable. So progression for me, if we're in within five years, if we're significant, like solidly a, a top 10 club, I'll be, I'll be happy. Um, and that I don't want our fans to get too carried away and think, oh, we're going to win a Premier League title in five years because it's probably highly unlikely. We will improve, but the likes of Man City will also improve. Chelsea will also improve. Liverpool will also improve. So it's not just going to be us overtaking everybody. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we've got to be a little bit more realistic. But as I've said, I'm quite, I'm not naive. I'm quite happy if we're consistently a top 10 club for the next five years. Um, I've just seen just a random thing popped up that we were now in for Zapata. We've put a pid in for Zapata in the last uh, today. So that's another uh, another link to, to yeah. the chain. Um, apparently tripling his contract. Um, so that's amazing. But um, yeah, I think it's just more to come. We'll see what happens. Obviously, literally now, there's no point in getting excited because we actually don't know what's going to happen. So um, come the summer, I think I might be a little bit more optimistic come the summer because that will change if we stay up, that will change everything because we can attract the players with the money. We're not in a position where we're 18 from the league and people are worried about getting relegated. Um, so from that point onwards, I think we can be excited. Everything we've done for now is in the short term. Eddie Howe's contract is two and a half years um, short term. Chris Wood's contract is two and a half years. Kieran Trippier's contract is two and a half years. So everything at the moment we are doing in the relatively short term in terms of football. So... Um, yeah, I think there's been some smart decisions made. We'll see what the next six days hold. Um, and then we'll see where we go from there, really. Exactly. I think uh, where any club, even Liverpool included, people go mad when we don't sign players. We never sign anyone. But January is never a month that we deal business, you know, unless we have to deal one or two, you might yeah. be out uh, with desperation. But the summer is when you do your, your big moves. And I think that's when you'll see what Newcastle can do. Because we've said it, there's a, I think they need a goalkeeper, they need centre-backs, yeah. they need a left-back, they need midfielders, they need forwards. The only thing, the only one that they have, I think, that they with the Trippier side is Sam Maxime. I think everyone else is probably dispensable and... You know, see what he can do in the in the summer window will be very telling on, on what he do. Bruno Guimaraes is is an excellent signing, thirty yeah. million or whatever the fee will be, is the type of player that you want to do. You don't want to be spending eighty million on someone. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to fall into that trap. Thirty million, thirty million, improve all your all your players that way. But look, 
it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You might come back on in a few weeks and get Matt back on as well, and we'll see where the, all the clubs stand when the windows closed, and we'll see if we're all happy or not. But before we finish up, lads, I just want to say a quick shout out. Uh, we have a, uh, a charity partner that we're working with. We can't see it. it's in the top corner of the screen there. It's called Failicon, and what Failicon are, it's uh, a service that um, helps um, people cope with bereavement of uh, during pregnancy or, or just after pregnancy. It's an excellent uh, charity that does great work. It's a non not for profit organization. So, you know, every contribution and donation they get is usually um, helpful to them. We've said it, we're going to talk about it on every show we do. We'll make no apologies about it. We are doing a charity golf day in June um, of this year where we're looking to raise about 10 grand for the for the charity and we will be doing sponsorships and, and prizes and all that sort of stuff but there's also a, a, a link for I Donate it's in the show description it's on our website um, if everyone listening if it's just um, share the stuff donate if you can but we're going to keep pushing this because we think it's a great charity to support and it's something that you know while it may not have affected you personally it will certainly have affected somebody that you know or someone that's close to you. So it's definitely something that we want to do. So I just had to give that a shout out before we finish up because we're going to do it on every show. So we might as well do it now. So uh, look, we'll wrap up there. I won't keep you any longer. We could talk about Newcastle and Spurs all night. I think it's great crack, but you know, we won't. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, Matt, thank you very much for coming on tonight. It was a pleasure having you. Thanks, my name, Keith. Thanks for having me. Always a, a pleasure coming on here. I'm looking right, forward yeah. to the, the show in three weeks' time when I'm telling you how Lewis Diaz got on in his debut for Spurs. You can you can do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel for, I look forward to that one. I'll make sure I'm not washing my hair that night. I'll make sure I'm available for that one. Uh, Kendall, thank you very much for coming on and joining us. It was a pleasure having you. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you again on this channel very soon as well. Yeah, hopefully when. <laughs> As Matt says, and we, uh, you know, Gamarash has made his little debut. We've got Zapata up front. We've got Diego Carlos. Yeah. Could be a totally we'll, different we'll conversation. But we might be talking about how Nat Phillips was. <laughs> we, we don't know where we're going to yeah. be, but no, thank you for having me. It is genuinely always a pleasure. So thank you. No, it's been a pleasure. Kev, you're always on these days. You're on more than me. So I should be thanking you for letting me on. Um, but no, always a pleasure to be on with you, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, mate. Uh, just for anyone who's in the stream at the minute, Felicon, great charity. Check out the social media pages as well. Share it amongst your friends. Share it in your WhatsApp groups and pass it around on Facebook and Insta and all the usual good stuff. And it's a very, very worthwhile. You'll, I guarantee you, you know someone who would have benefited from having someone on the end of a phone. So just having people know about it helps. You know? So just share it around your socials would be really appreciative. Brilliant. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it there. This has been the Transfer Agenda with the LFC Day Trippers, and we'll talk to you all again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.